One of the coolest parts about this crazy e-commerce industry is the crazy e-commerce community. There are so many really smart folks that come from so many different backgrounds that never thought they would be doing these businesses and these brands and these services, but they are. There's also just a really strong inclination to look at other things. We're all looking at other ways to make passive income, whether it be the NFT crypto thing going on right now or real estate or actually creating services that support the e-commerce industry. Today's guest is one of those people that's been involved in a lot of it and keeps getting involved in more. And we're going to talk about that journey of finding new opportunities. It's going to be a great episode. Listen to the end. Here we go. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan. And at every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life, fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM podcast. What happens when you've grown your Amazon business as much as you can and don't have the time or resources to take it to the next level? That's where Thrasio comes in. Thrasio acquires category-leading FBA brands from small business owners just like you and specializes in taking your brand to new heights while you profit from the growth. When you sell your business to Thrasio, your deal could include a long-term earnout, meaning you profit when your brand grows under their management. So if you're thinking about selling your FBA business, visit Thrasio.com slash Helium10 to connect with Thrasio's deals team. That's T-H-R-A-S-I-O dot com slash Helium10 for more information on if your brand is a good fit for Thrasio. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the AMPM podcast. I'm your host, Tim Jordan, and I'm coming to you live. Well, not live because it's recorded, but recording live in Salt Lake City, Utah. So not yeah. the typical studio here. And I'm here with my good friend, Brandy Hoffman. Say hi, Brandy. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so I flew in yesterday. It is really snowy and really cold, which is a big difference from uh, Southern California. I was at the Helium 10 offices right before I came here. So it was a nice transition to uh, get to see the beauty here. I've never been to this city. But like most you brought the snow. Basically. It's like I brought the snow. Yeah. Um, maybe so. Yeah. It could be. Definitely didn't bring it from California. No. We were digging <laughs> our cars out yesterday, and I'm like, Tim's going to be here and trying to. to there was like three feet of snow against our car trying to dig out just to see you. So you should feel special. I, I would have worked special. home from home I feel yesterday. very, very yeah. special. So um, <laughs> I met Brandy several months ago, I guess uh, the first half of this year at an e-commerce conference in Chicago. We were all on a riverboat cruise on the Chicago River, and she walked up to me and started talking my ear off. No, I'm just kidding, but she was really talking my ear off. And um, I thought her story was very interesting, and what her business and what her associates were trying to accomplish was uh, was exceptionally interesting. But you, not too long ago, did not think you would be at an e-commerce conference, did you? I did not, no. So Brandy is part of a real estate conglomerate. Is that a good word? Yeah. 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 Um, So tell us briefly kind of what the real estate business is. And I think that it's going to be interesting because a lot of our listeners, a lot of e-commerce sellers are always thinking about real estate, whether it's Airbnb stuff or whether it's flipping houses or getting long-term rentals. So talk about the real estate business and then we'll get into the transfer into e-commerce. Definitely. So it's interesting because real estate is a lot. I think 
when I first thought got into real estate, I thought it was mostly you've got your realtors, you've got your flippers, and maybe you know people that um, do big developments, apartment buildings, and stuff. And I'm finding uh, that there's a lot more to it than just you know those few basic things. With our our business, we um, we buy houses, we do flip houses, we keep some for rentals for Airbnb, and then we also buy houses if we don't have the bandwidth to flip any more houses or things like that. Then we'll sell the house or the the contract to um, somebody who is looking to flip the house or looking for a rental or things like that. And so um, we've been doing that for about six years, and. Uh, we, you know, get because of that, we get to work with a lot of people in the community, other people who do wholesaling or who flip houses. You just end up having a lot of the same context. Real estate does the same thing. There's real estate conferences, just like there is e-commerce mm-hmm. conferences, and everybody kind of gets to know each other and work together. And and uh, although you might be in competition, you know, you're also like sharing ideas and, and uh, there's masterminds with real estate and things like that. So, um, you know, what it really did is it taps you into a network um, of other business professionals that are trying to to make money and 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 learn of ways to invest and, and other things that we can do. So, um, you know, real estate's a lot of fun. And I've learned a lot about, you know, housing markets and, and how you really can gauge, um, you know, what properties are worth and what is make sense to invest in and stuff like that. I mean, oftentimes people think of having a, a rental, but right now we're seeing that really having an Airbnb makes the most sense. You're making more money off of having an Airbnb or something like that. So there's other platforms other than Airbnb that you can use as well. But, um, you know, so we've been pivoting a lot to that rather than just having traditional landlord rentals and things like that. And so, so being involved in this community of people trying to make a buck, trying to find passive income, this crazy term called e-commerce came up. Mm-hmm. Right. So talk briefly about your kind of introduction and your first, I don't know, realization of what e-commerce was and how to make money doing that. Right. So so uh, one of the guys that we work with here had been interested in getting involved in e-commerce. And there are a few other people in the real estate space who had been dabbling with either getting their own stores or products of some sort, whether it be on Walmart or Amazon. Um, and so we kind of started doing some research and dipping our toes into what that would look like and and how, um, you know, because passive income is really the where everybody wants to be. Yeah. If I cannot go to work and still be making money or maybe only work like a few hours a day, yeah. I mean, that's everybody's dream, I think. And so. Um, and that's what the nice thing about real estate is you can buy a rental, um, you know, flipping, I wouldn't say is passive. It's a lot of work. I think it's, it's, you watch those shows and, and it seems like, oh, I would love to do that. It's so <laughs> that exciting. Joanna Gaines is full of crap. Yeah, it is not that fun. I mean, there's a lot of problems that go wrong with it. A lot of babysitting and stuff, but just simple, you know, acquiring real estate for investment purposes, for tax purposes and write-offs and things. It's pretty passive. And so, um, we've always been interested in finding more things like that where we can invest money and still, um, you know, not have to put in a ton of time into the venture. So, um, you know, we had been introduced into e-commerce as maybe an opportunity to, um, you know, invest some more money. There's a lot of people in real estate who have, you know, it's the end of the year right now. We have a lot of people scrambling to find more rental properties to purchase for tax purposes. And and we're like, well, what if we can find a better way to use 
um, this money that people are ready to invest and want to do something with. And um, so we kind of started looking into the e-commerce space. And and for us, my thought was just, we'll just jump into going to some of these conferences and seeing what we can learn and find out. And that's kind of where, you know, after we had talked to a few people who were doing the same thing and, and selling online, um, it seemed to be something that that I felt that we could do and would would make sense for the people that we work with. So you got to experience, well, maybe not experience, but uh, meander into all of the different types of e-commerce, mm-hmm. you know, especially on marketplaces like Amazon. So the reselling, the drop shipping, the wholesale side, and then you really landed on private label as your objective, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is the holy grail. If we can find product opportunities, we can uh, launch them, we can build them up, we can get some cash and we can eventually sell these businesses. Well, right? and, and, you know, exactly. There's the, there's arbitrage and drop shipping. And really, if you're looking at it from, you know, taking a step back, it's okay. I'm going to get the best ROI if I'm doing a private label business. And, and it just seems to make the most sense. Now it does seem to be a little bit more work, but Again, I don't think I've ever really been scared off by that as where other people are. I think when starting a new business, most people are like, oh my gosh, I have to you know, set up tracking services and set up all these accounts and I have to get a new bank account and a new LLC and who's going to do the taxes. And I mean, it's everything. How am I going to manufacture a product? Where am I going to get? And uh, I think just the thought of that is overwhelming to most people. And so they back away from it. But after talking to some people who, um, you know, were selling online and selling successfully, I, it, I was like, you know, we can do this. Like this is something with the right planning that is, is possible. And, and we could probably help other people do this as well. Um, yeah. So the whole idea of private label is we were talking just off camera, like it's, complex, but it's not complicated. It's a Mm -hmm. lot of moving pieces, but none of them are particularly hard. You just have to put them together. So you have to have systems, you have to have processes. And I have never seen anybody dive into it as deeply as your team did. Like you've now got multiple VAs that do product research and then they Mm -hmm. pass it up the chain for validation. And then it goes through the whole sourcing process and the development process. And it's, it's pretty cool, but I don't really want to talk about private label. I want to talk about the thing that came after that, right? Mm -hmm. Which is Easy Cheetah, which is a prep fulfillment and warehousing business. Yes. And the reason I want to talk a little bit about that is because obviously you found an opportunity. You said, hey, here's something else that needs to be addressed in the market. As if we don't have enough going on already, right. Like we want to dive into this. Right. And I think it's an interesting conversation to have because I see this all the time, like e-commerce entrepreneurs that are diving into this space that realize, hey, there's other stuff to be done than just building a product and selling that product, right? You look at all the software companies, all the logistics companies, the insurance companies, the accounting services that are specifically geared towards e-commerce. You look at the consultants, the PPC managements. I know a lot of people that were miserable private label sellers, but they were really good at branding, like one piece. Or they could not source a product to save their lives, but they could run the crap out of some PPC, right? And I think that maybe our ego or our pride gets in the way of taking advantage of maybe some of our strengths, these opportunities, because we think, hey, I got into e-commerce to build a brand and sell it, but like, I, and I can't give up on that. I can't get distracted. But some of the most successful people that I know in the e-commerce space were not necessarily successful because they built a product and sold it. They were successful because they found their niche or they found this other business or they were able to support other sellers with their specialized skills, right? So 
Easy Cheetah came to be because either wow. you felt you were good at this or you saw a demand in the space. So we saw a demand in this space. I We kept hearing about, you know, everybody's problems with free PO services. Everybody's backed up. The warehouses nobody's are taking, full. Nobody's well, taking no, shipments. Exactly. Yep. And so um, I immediately after asking a few people like, hey, do you think that this is doable? Is this something or is this way? Are we going to get way in over our head if we try to open up our own 3PO service? And and the feedback we got was, oh, I think you can do it. And, and I think part of that is because, you know, we have set up some businesses before, but, you know, it's more putting those processes in place where you could really set up any business, I think, you know, if you have the right processes set up. So you've already got teams, you've already got systems, you've already got all of this stuff in place where it seems like that made it a little bit easier to like tack on another business. Do you think that that made it easier or do you think you would have been less likely to try to open up a business like this if you just had to start from ground zero and you didn't have all of this infrastructure in place already? Do you think that made a difference? One of the people I work with, Dane, talked talk to me about this and really, it's really about who you have and the connections and the people that, that make or break a business, I believe. There's a book, I think it's called Who Not How, and, and we're total supporters of it. So, um, you know, I haven't ever been afraid to jump out and ask questions, talk to people who are doing what we're trying to do. So, I mean, I, I think that it helps that we have a general understanding of how Amazon works and the shipping processes works for not just Amazon, but any marketplace. And um, you know, we made sure to hire, for example, warehouse manager that has experience and has been in it in the past. But, um, you know, if you if you are able to align the right people in the right positions, then doing starting any new venture isn't that hard, you know, because you have enough faith that they'll be able to carry out the things that so I that need to happen. So, you know, I, I give the warehouse manager everything that they needed to set up, you know, getting all of the the products and the supplies and, and, um, equipment, equipment mm. and, and accounts that we're going to need. And then we make sure that we have, you know, an operations team that's able to, um, set up all the accounts and the services that were the service providers we're going to have to work with. And, um, you know, as long as you have the right people that are, um, and, and then we're getting into consulting and making sure that we're not missing anything. And that if we are, you know, okay, how do we tackle that? And, um, so I think it's, it's just decreasing the responsibility into, you know, breaking that up into bite-sized chunks. Bite chunks amongst people that are comfortable with tackling that kind of stuff. Like if you give a visionary a job of opening a bunch of accounts, you know, the Dane who we work with, he's, he's the visionary of the company. He's the one out, you know, making huge connections and seeing what our next project is. I'm, I've definitely always been more of an integrator personality where I can, you give me, Hey, I want to do this. I'll sit down and be able to say, Hey, this is how we're going to get it done and, and put those processes in place, you know? And so I think it's just making sure that you're playing to your strengths. If you're a visionary type of personality, then you need to make sure that you get an integrator in on your business to get things going. Because what ends up happening is you just aren't getting those essential kind of tasks completed that have to get done, you know? So you're looking at, you know, your processes and your team to build these physical products businesses. You see an opportunity to create a service, which actually is going to help you in the long run because you're able to support your own businesses. Mm -hmm. But was there a time when you thought we're crazy for trying to take on too much or was it like, Hey, this just feels good. It's a good fit. Let's just jump in. 
it's a little bit of both. Like I have experienced being stressed about this, you know, and you know, we still have our real estate business going. We are, you know, still researching product and, 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 uh, doing that, getting stores going on Amazon and brands built on Amazon. And then we also have the warehousing. So there's times where it feels like, oh my gosh, should we bite off more than we can chew? But we always fall back on the fact that, yeah, if I have these processes in place, everything's going to be fine. It's going to work out, you know? Um, so, but, and you know, what's interesting is along the way, and I think being open to doing different things, I feel like in this last five years, I'm not only am I, I wouldn't say an expert, but close to a real estate expert. I have experience, I'll have experience with, um, you know, with warehousing and shipping. I feel like pretty confident in product research capabilities. I mean, you learn so much that will end up helping you in the end with any business that I do that I feel it's important to branch out, you know what I mean? Rather than just be stuck. So you're saying that it's not just a liability, like getting into this other business isn't like, oh, I'm just splitting more of my time. I'm opening myself up to more risk, but it's like, oh, I'm also getting an education. Oh, so by jumping in, it's the stuff that I learned is going to continue helping the other businesses. A hundred percent. And it's interesting because as you start talking to attorneys or, or CPAs about how you can integrate all of these businesses and how things work, it's, um, you realize the benefit also financially and kind of branching out and, and, uh, you know, what that can do for your business in the long term. Like now, when we were looking for warehouse space here, or if we ever wanted to purchase a, an additional space, we have a leg up because of our connections in the real. I mean, the way that we were able to get the space that we have now is just from the connections from our real estate business, you know, and so that made which anybody can go do, but it made that process much easier um, and, and run more smoothly. And so so, uh, it's ended up helping that they support each other. So let's talk about location. Okay. All right. Because you're based here in Salt Lake City. It's where everything is at. You yeah. knew that the world needed more 3PO warehousing prep fulfillment space. Right. But you're not on the coast. Right. And I have an answer to this. I, I know how I feel about it because I owned a similar company before mm-hmm. I sold it. And I was in North Alabama, like the weirdest place in the world to bring containers in, but we were doing it. Talk a little bit about the excitement that you continued to build as you researched maybe how a non-traditional import location is actually more valuable, right? right? And just to set the context, everybody that's in e-commerce knows that the logistics over the past 18 months has been a dumpster fire, mm-hmm. right? When I was in um, Orange County, Southern California earlier this week, there's still 100 ships parked outside a Long Beach port that can't get in and unload because everything's still backed up. So... Why did you think that Salt Lake City would be okay to import products for e-commerce sellers? It's a good question. So it's interesting because, Sam, I wouldn't have ever thought about Salt Lake City. I don't think a lot of people think of it as kind of a hub for much of anything except for as it's Mormons, you know. So, uh, <laughs> but as Salt Lake's actually been planning an inland port for quite some time now. I think it's been since 2016. Um, because of our, we, we, not only do we have a large international airport, we have a union Pacific hub here. We also have two major highways. We have I-15, which runs North and South. So from Canada to Mexico, and then we have I-80, which runs from coast to coast. Um, and so we're in our positioning as far as transportation is concerned is excellent. So, so for trucking rail and air, you're set up. Correct. And even like 
ships coming into Oakland, you're only a one day drive away from the port mm-hmm. of Oakland at San Francisco area, even if they have to put a container on a ship. So coming inland is good, but for distribution, you're like the perfect spot. You can mm-hmm. get over the mountains easy. You can go north, south. You cover all the West Coast. Right. Right. Well, and I mean, with how backed up the ports are, even if you were to have your stuff come in, if you wanted it processed at, at Oakland or San Diego, you're, the time that it by the time the, the, the goods got to Salt Lake City and got processed, it would still be faster than the way that timing is right now on the ports. You know, they've got, what, hundreds of of containers just pyramided up on these, you know, processing ports. So it's still faster right now to have something shipped to an inland port than it is to have it and processed to an inland port than it is to have it processed at at a... So for people that are thinking, hey, like I might not be set up for this, you know, and, and the example I see is people that have a great idea of a service that needs to be fulfilled, but they know nothing about software. Like the, when there's an opportunity, there are opportunities, right? When there's opportunities, you'll find a way around those. So if I were going to create a software company, and I, don't, I mean, I can barely write an email, then, you know, there are huge networks of people that I could collaborate with or partner with or hire that can handle that. When you think that, oh, why would I choose to build a fulfillment center and service inland, you know, a 12 hour drive from the port? Why would I do this? You start researching and find out, well, you're actually like in prime positioning. Mm -hmm. And even the city has been investing in infrastructure to make that more possible. So if I look back at my friends in the industry or successful businesses in the industry, they could have easily told themselves a lot of reasons why something wouldn't work. But when you actually dive into it, you find out, hey, these opportunities are usually pretty easy to overcome. Like there's a lot more opportunity than we thought. So now going forward, you've got e-commerce brands, you've got real estate business, Mm -hmm. you've got a prep warehouse fulfillment distribution center. How do you prioritize your day or balance your day to prioritize which one is most important? So again, I heavily rely on the people that we have in each business to make sure that everything that has to get done is getting done. I mean, prioritizing is big. If you don't have somebody on your team that can prioritize which tasks need to be completed for each business first, um, I think you'll be in trouble. But the biggest thing is like, also, it was really hard for me. And I think this happens with a lot of business owners is to uh, delegate things. I, for the longest time, we hired this person who is amazing. And he's, I call him my Mandy. He's like the clone of me, but in a male version. And I've been so happy. Oh, I get it. Yeah. So Mandy is the male Brandy. Man Brandy. Yeah. And even though Mandy's a female name, it, it is a female. It doesn't name, quite but work, but I'm following. Keep I going. mean, it's like, a, I, right, it's the best I could come up with. Okay. So he's just like the top notch, the best hire I could think I ever could have made. He was sent from God. And so even then knowing his capabilities and everything, I found myself like, Oh, why don't I want to give this up? And, uh, you know, Dane talked to me a few times about like, Brandy, this is impeding the flow of our business. You have got to let some stuff go. Like you have to. And it's been such a good lesson for me to learn because not only have I been able to free up my time, I was to grow the business, which I was, you know, there was so much stuff that I was so stressed about, like, what if it doesn't get right? Or what if this gets done wrong? That um, I really was stopping us from growing and, and being better as a business. And so, um, you know, we've really utilized the the hiring of virtual assistants. I know Tim's talked about this before, but I'm such a proponent. I think the same thing. I was really nervous about. Um, and we've also used them in real estate, you know, because 
you're nervous about, oh, well, what if they aren't able to speak English enough or it doesn't go well or we lose out on money because we haven't trained a VA, a VA well. And what I'm finding is that um, you can find a VA to do just about anything. And there's obviously some stuff that you want to keep in house. For me, it's super important. We don't work remotely. We have our core team that gets together every single day. And it is so important that we have that face-to-face stuff, especially when running three different businesses. We just have to have people available and, and the brainstorming that occurs that you just can't like duplicate it, you know, when you're in, and you know, Salt Lake, I don't think has also experienced a lot of the, I mean, obviously we've had COVID the same as everywhere else and, and things like that. But, um, you know, the, the culture here and the legislature here has been really big about keeping things moving in spite of COVID and what we can do to keep, to do that safely and giving, you know, a lot of autonomy to businesses to be able to make decisions on how they're going to handle that themselves and, and things like that. And so we didn't really see the same kind of slowdown that you would see on the news, um, you know, on the East coast or the West coast of, you know, businesses shutting down and people, a bunch of people losing their job. I mean, I just feel like it seemed like, Salt Lake. And I don't have data to back this up, obviously, this but is just, just, your gut just my experience from living here is, you know, we, things have really been operating, uh, as normal for quite some time here, you know? And so we haven't experienced, I haven't seen a ton of labor shortages. We don't, you know, even now. So, uh, I feel pretty lucky that we've been able to do all this living in Salt Lake because it's just a great place to operate a business out of, you know? And so we've, uh, really, haven't had to deal, you know, with what I think a lot of other people have had to deal with when it comes to that. Now we still have to experience the same things with manufacturing and and that the whole rest of the world has to deal with, but we're hoping to be able to help relieve some of that pressure on the e-com business by starting our own shipping company, you know? And so, uh, yeah, we're excited about that. So let's talk about e-commerce in general. Like you have been crushing it in real estate. You've done very well with flips, with um, like wholesaling properties, with the uh, Airbnb and rental investments. Why is e-commerce so exciting to you that you want to point a lot of your resources and time and effort into that as opposed to just continuing to scale up? So first of all, we one of the culture, the, the biggest culture item in our company is, is like trying to help people. And I, I know that seems odd because as like a capitalistic running business, you don't, uh, sometimes I think that it's easy to lose sight of that, but, um, you know, our mission has always been, we try to do that with our employees. Like what can we do to better your life? A lot of our team meetings are, uh, based around what do you want to do? Like, where do you, what, what, goals are you trying to accomplish? Like, so starting from there into the business relationships that we have are very much centered around, like, what can we do to help somebody out here or bring them aboard? Um, and so the same thing goes with our clients. It's very important that we wanted to find or start something that was beneficial and useful to people that would make their lives better. Like everybody here, I think it's really easy to to meet anybody in any industry, but it still even happens in e-commerce where you have people selling you something that is not, uh, not sustainable, not, you know, not what it is meant to be or, or chalked up to be. And so it's been super important that we find an opportunity that is actually going to be beneficial and helpful for our clients. And 
what's so exciting about e-com is a a the return on your investment that you put into it like that first of all let's get the money out of the way you can do really well if you set up and manage a brand um but also that i think that it's that anybody can do it it's not something that that is you know just for people who have had experience with selling online in the past or just for existing business owners i think we've been able to um, you know, we can pull anybody here that's interested in getting and in getting into e-com into it and, and helping them as well. So um, I think a big of the thing like you talked about is is really networking and, and trying to find some services here that being willing to outsource where you can. I think that anybody that tries to take this all in and one buy that I'm going to do the PPC and I'm going to manage all the customer service emails and I'm going to out to source all the products and contact manufacturers myself. I mean, I just, you got to scrap that. I think the biggest yeah. thing is just outsourcing where we can, where we can find agencies that are, can do things better than we can. And then, you know, if there's something for us like that we thought we could do a good job at, then we're going to try to take that on ourselves. So your you know? opinion is just keep looking. Yeah. Like just keep expanding, take it on, try to drink from a fire hose. And if it sucks, it sucks. But if you don't at least look for the next new thing, you might miss a big opportunity. And I, I think I agree with that. I definitely spread myself too thin sometimes, yeah. but there are so many people that I know that are succeeding because they tried the next thing. Like they didn't stick with something that they were going to continue to struggle with or they jumped to the next big opportunity. I'm not saying big opportunity being the next get rich quick scheme, but I'm saying, mm -hmm. Hey, if you're really good at PPC, figure out how to do PPC for other people. If you Agreed. are exceptionally good at understanding, um, you know, I, I've used the example of Ari and Chelsea Cohen before, like they are still sellers, but the majority of the time they're spending on building SoStock, which is a great software tool that everybody's raving about and loves. And if they hadn't taken a chance to like continue to try the next thing or expand their portfolio of opportunities, like that never would have happened. And I think that's going to be, um, you know, a bigger investment or a bigger turnover on their investment or a bigger uh, payout on their investment than, maybe staying in the trenches with physical products. I don't know. So I think it's good advice. So if, if there's anybody listening to this podcast and they're thinking, Hey, I am doing this, but I think there's another opportunity here. What would be your advice to them on how to analyze those opportunities to determine, Hey, should I take a risk and keep moving on to the next step? Yeah. So ask people. I mean, I think that people's biggest downfall is being afraid to talk to someone in the industry or start getting on Facebook groups and asking questions. You'd be surprised how much information there is out there on YouTube and Facebook groups. Get to understand what you're doing more. I mean, I think we've watched countless hours before we started the warehouse service on on uh, about shipping and 3PL and just trying to get as knowledgeable about the process as possible. Um, you know, and I think that the, my first inclination is that people aren't going to want to talk to me about what they're doing. If I'm looking at building a business that is in competition to them, and that's absolutely not been the case for us. I think most people love to talk about their industry. They love to talk about what they do they're actually a lot more open to sharing advice and, and kind of helping out than you would, you would think. And, uh, it's pretty refreshing. And so ask some questions. Um, and after you've done your research and ask some questions, if you still think it's something you want to do, get the right people. And, you know, it might cut into your profit margins at first to hire. And I think people oftentimes are like, Oh, I don't know if I can hire somebody right now. I don't know if I have like the funds to make it work. 
I would say as soon as possible, if you can make it work, even if you're making like almost nothing in the beginning, you, you need to get good talent. Final thing also is if you hire somebody on and they're not working out, do not be afraid to cut that relationship and move on because the last thing you need is to be pulling somebody along when you're trying to start a business that you don't think is really going to work out in the end. And then you're investing all this time, all this money yep. into getting somebody going when you know in the back of your mind, this isn't going to work. We've made that mistake before where it's not, there's anything wrong with the person. We could just tell this isn't going to be a good fit. Um, we could tell that maybe that we're going to need somebody with some different capabilities and we waited way too long to cut the cord just yep. because you feel bad, but this is business. You are trying to do something different for yourself. You're trying to build a successful business here and, and who you have and what you have them doing is important. If you're, if that's, you know, yep. you're going to make it be slow business. to hire and fast to fire, mm -hmm. which is not something I'm particularly good at. And you can be nice. You can be nice about it, but <laughs> nice about still. All right. Well, that's cool. That's that's a lot of good information. I think that um, it's valuable to kind of pick your brain on these thoughts because I know a lot of you listening struggle with this, struggle with trying to think of what's the new thing, what's the next thing, what should we be focusing on? Are we stuck too deep in the trenches, not thinking about something else? If we have a good idea, should we expand to it? Should we um, try to experiment with it or do we do this in conjunction with an existing business or do we stop our old business to go to this? Like it's a lot of stuff to think about, but I I've said it before writing this episode, but I'll keep saying it. Some of the most successful people that I know have taken on more challenges and more opportunities and have found more success by juggling a couple of different things, especially if they're related and they just keep feeding on themselves. Um, you know, it takes a lot of time for me to do this podcast, but it's also an investment because I learn from having these conversations, right? Uh, every business that I've started has been a struggle, but it always supports existing businesses or existing businesses will support it. So it's like this crazy flywheel that keeps ramping up. So uh, Brandy, I appreciate you. I know you're very busy. I appreciate you taking some time to talk about this stuff. And um, I guess if anybody wanted more information about what you've got going on in the logistics space, go to easycheetah.com, E-Z-C-H-E-E-T-A-H, yep. right? Did I do that right? Easycheetah.com. Um located in primary location located in Salt Lake City, which as you said, is actually an interesting place that a lot of people are not thinking about. Mm -hmm. So thank you all for being on the episode. Again, I'll ask you as I always do, or typically do, if you found any value in this, make sure to leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, again, forgive us for not having the big fancy studio as I'm in the field, so to speak in Salt Lake City, but uh, give us a thumbs up on that YouTube video if you would make sure to subscribe to our channel. We'll see all of you on the next episode.